someone who's not a male running for mayor. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Uh, General Sutton, welcome to Max and Murphy. Well, thanks so much. Is, Delighted to be here. Is is General Sutton the correct salutation? <laughs> Brigadier General, or no? I, I mean, I, I am being I am being serious. I just we want to make sure we get it right. So, what is the what is the right way? Well, listen, <laughs> uh, General is fine, okay. Lori is fine, um, but I'm just happy to be with you folks, and I'm thrilled to be running as mayor. All right, well, I go by Admiral. So, <laughs> well, talk to us about uh, the background you bring. We just referred to your military service uh, obliquely, but talk about um, your bio briefly before you made the decision to uh, to plunge into this race. Absolutely. You know, I wasn't born here in New York City. I uh, started out in a little town in Southern California, Loma Linda, and I took the long way home. 30 years in the Army, a combat-tested veteran, uh, a professor at the Uniformed Services University, a White House fellow, the commander of uh, complex medical systems, as well as then the director and designer of the Defense Centers of Excellence for Psychological Health and Traumatic Brain Injury. It was an amazing uh, 30 years and I knew I was blessed with that experience. Never could have imagined this unbidden blessing of finding my home with my sweetie Lori, now wife, here in New York City. We got here in 2013 during the midst of the mayor's race then, and we have just found a home. We've found community. we found purpose and passion. We love this city. And uh, it really because of my experiences as a proven leader for those 30 years, but then over these last five years as commissioner for the Department of Veteran Services, we have made history, becoming the first city in the country to stand up our own municipal agency. And uh, as I saw things continue to deteriorate in our city, the quality of life and all that we see around us every day, I kept looking for who is the who is the common sense ca- candidate, the, the passionate pragmatist, the person who's going to be able to draw energy and ideas and insights from both sides of all of, all of the political spectrum and then forge common sense solutions going forward? And I didn't see it. I saw a politics of fear. I saw career politicians who were rushing for the far left. I saw industries like real estate being demonized. We are so much better than this. And i got to tell you, Ben and Jarrett, uh, you know, let me just uh, close this opening piece with my experience at breakfast this morning with a couple in Tribeca who had decided to move to Florida. They were so afraid of raising their two-year-old daughter here on the streets of New York as they saw things continue to deteriorate. They'd gone into the local precinct. They were told that, uh, you know, they were really blocked from being able to uh, do much else other than what they were doing, and uh, then they heard about my campaign, and they, they contacted me and said, listen, we are going to give this everything we've got. We want you to become mayor, and if you become mayor, we're going to stay here in New York. Well, that tells me it confirms what I have heard over and over and over again. New Yorkers are hungry for a different kind of leader and a different kind of leadership, and that's what I bring. So say more about what's unraveling in your eyes and, and uh, in your telling from these folks at breakfast, but also beyond that. what How do you sort of pinpoint what's deteriorating and unraveling in, in the city? Sure. Well, you know, I think so much of it boils down to relationships. 
Uh, you know, we've seen the fractured relationship uh, between the mayor and the governor, which hasn't served us well. The one project that they collaborated on over these last six years was the Amazon uh, debacle. We saw how that went, political malpractice at all levels. But we also see where the relationship with the media, uh, uh, you know, the the mayor um, has, has really, um, I would say, colored people's view, not just in this city, but around the country and around the world about New York. I hear about it everywhere I go, where folks just are worried about what's going on in this city. Uh, the fear that is driving our elected career officials to the far left, I think, is problematic because we need to have a city that can come together. Our country as a whole is so divided, and we know how our body politic is really struggling at this point. And New York City, I think, is a place where we can demonstrate what right looks like. We can forge the partnerships. We can bring real estate and the other industries and communities and 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 uh, just elements of our great city together. And that's the kind of unifying leadership that I am eager to bring to New York City and uh that's what our campaign's all about. So what does right look like? If you were mayor this moment, talk about some of the policy decisions that the mayor and the council have made that you would undo or change direction on. Where do you think in terms of actual policies beyond um, perceptions and, and the relationship with the media, where in terms of, of actual governmental power levels, levers, would you would you make a change? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I think it's important for, um, uh, for example, uh, education. I think it's important for uh, communities to be able to come together and get beyond the, uh, the uh, debate between charter schools and regular public schools and be able to focus on schools as community centers. And there's been some investment in community uh, schools here by this administration, we got you know the Rand report just this last week. I'd like to double and triple down on that investment so that there's year-round programming at schools and that we can engage with parents as well as students and really open up in an, you know an entire range of options for our students to ensure that not just their success in careers but in life, in citizenship, and in service. I think that it's important to establish apprenticeships to be able to introduce our students to all kinds of different uh, roles in the world. And, of course, the world is changing so quickly around us that uh, it's, uh, you know, it's not a static process by any means. But I think that there's a lot of work to be done there that can really bring together an entirely different level of engagement uh, within our communities, within our schools, parents, teachers, communities, as well as the private sector, adopt a school as an example. There's lots that we can do in that arena. We also, I think, with the uh, seriously mentally ill that we see all around us increasingly in the subways and on the streets, this is a problem with, you know, it has its roots in a number of factors. With all the best intentions uh, we've taken down the population at Rikers in the last several years, but 30 to 40 percent of them have serious mental illness. No provision was made for their care. At the same time that the governor 
was reducing hospital beds, reducing treatment programs, and the seams will simply not hold. Now, there are some who will tell you that that mentally ill individuals are no more violent than others uh, in our society. Well, that's true when they're treated. When they're untreated, which is 40% of our mentally ill here in New York City, they are a greater risk to themselves as well as to others. The transit program, again, a, a tale of fractured relationships. The fact that Andy Byford, who's done so much for transit over the last couple of years in our city, and, you know, uh, fractured relationships, and he's now out of town. Let's hope and pray that the team he's left behind and the strategy they have to follow will uh, continue to reap uh, good consequences. I think uh, the jury's still out on that. I will say that you know, I'm looking for the kind of what I call L-train solutions across the policy landscape. You know, when I first moved here to, to New York, I heard about, you know, this L-train uh, sort of looming disaster. And uh, then, lo and behold, when the governor brought in some engineers and looked at this, they said, hey, we don't have to close the whole train down. We can reimagine this. We can do things a different way. And we've seen how that's gone. You know, the 14th Street bus uh, thoroughfare. I think that's another success that we can build on. I think that the mayor was right on uh, stop and frisk. Uh, we've shown over the last several years that we can reduce stop and frisk by 90% and crime can continue, continue to go down. Now, that's starting to reverse itself. I think we've seen, as the commissioner has said recently, that uh, we've got a lot of work to do. I think that, again, with the best of intentions, the new legislature in Albany uh, they wanted to get things done. No doubt we needed reform, bail reform. But they went so far to the other edge and they didn't consult with law enforcement or with DAs or with uh, judges that we're now in a position where let's just hope and pray that we don't have any further uh, disasters or tragedies or deaths until it can be actually remedied and brought back to a uh, position where our judges still have then the discretion to take public safety into account. I think that um, we're in a position where. So can I? Can I? Let me let me jump in for a sec. So so it sure. sounds. I mean, it sounds like you gave us some very interesting um, sort of analysis sure. and takes on a variety of issues there. So I mean, it's sounding to me like you know your initial pitch here and the conception of your campaign for mayor is that it's about. Um, a, a it's a combination of a, a certain style of collaborative leadership um, and also, yes. you know, sort of the, uh, more of a moderate uh, center left, uh, if, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, style of political philosophy that is about, you know, bringing all sides of the political spectrum together and figuring out a path forward. Is is that a you know, are those two good ways of thinking about how you're framing your candidacy? I think that is absolutely on target. Okay. You know, I, I'm a general <laughs> officer. I am a proven leader. I know how to get stuff done. I'm a psychiatrist. Relationships matter to me. And I want to bring our city together. And relationships are the key to that success so that we can form the kind of partnerships we can restore trust and credibility and, in fact, pride. To our city. Do you have a sense yet in terms of if there's going to be one or two top 
issues or even proposals, your vision for the city, you know, this idea of being a collaborative leader that you can bring stakeholders to the table and come up with good ideas to move forward on any number of things is certainly a way to, you know, sort of pitch your leadership style. But are there signature issues that you know you want to take on and with what vision? Absolutely. I am framing my campaign. I am the quality of life candidate. I want to take on the seriously mentally ill, all of the issues that I just described. And this Mm -hmm. is a solvable, but this is a manageable uh, challenge, no doubt. I want to take that on, both for the sake of those who are seriously mentally ill, as well as for all of us as New Yorkers. I want to take on the transit challenges. I want to take on the things that that just great at New Yorkers every day as they're trying to run their small businesses, they're trying to raise their families, they're trying to go to school or go to work. I think that this this next mayor is going to have to move from a tale of two cities to become a mayor of one city. And quality of life resides at the very heart of that. And it's all about, it's about education, it's about safety, it's about partnerships, it's about the environment, it's about communities and those relationships, and it's about transit. So that's what I bring to the table. I'm excited about the way ahead. It's a journey not for the faint of heart, but uh, it's one that I'm excited to be. Talk about the, the issue of mental illness, and, and obviously you, you have been referring to what I think we would consider people who are seriously uh, mentally ill, those who you sometimes see um, on the streets um, apparently yeah. struggling. I saw a group of them today near the Port Authority, um, mm. and you know it, it, does, it does raise the question of what is the appropriate response, because it's one thing to identify that as a problem, and to some degree, the mayor has has done that. There has been a response that's been critiqued as perhaps uh, ill-suited and maybe inadequate. But what exactly do you think you would do? Um, because whenever one wades into this area, there are some delicate tripwires of human rights and um, legal constraints, and to what extent you can compel people to to accept a certain form of care. How would you handle the situation that you're describing of of mentally ill folks on the streets? Sure. Well, first, it has to start with a systems-level approach. Um, You know, there's no one-size-fits-all answer to the seriously mentally ill or the homeless. And, of course, a number of those who are homeless do suffer from serious mental illness. But I think it, it, it depends upon us working across the entire spectrum of mental health issues, which I think the Thrive program was designed to do, and it's now they're working hard to extend that across the spectrum of mental illness, and I I applaud that. I think the credibility, the accessibility, the transparency, the oversight that is now starting to take root is very uh, heartening. But I think that the specific actions that then need to be knit into this safety net, they include everything. Well, let's start out. You've you got to go to where the seriously mentally ill are. They tend to be in our jails. They tend to be in our shelters, and they tend to be in our hospitals and emergency rooms. So we have to have community resources, whether it be diversion, secure diversion programs that, uh, you know, 
seriously mentally ill uh, who are, are, are arrested, that they can enroll in those programs on a voluntary or involuntary basis, and those can go up to one to two years. There's a, a demonstration project right now in the Bronx, which I hope uh, will will the next mayor will be in a position to uh, increase, double down, triple down, bring it to scale across the city. But there are also things that we can do that are made in New York solutions solutions like the clubhouse model fountain house 70 years ago it's now been replicated in over uh 300 locations in over 30 cities this is a model where seriously mentally ill come in they they you know get connected to all of the resources that they need over half of them are homeless when they get to fountain house and the strongest medicine at fountain house it's community and it's a chance to invest in their, uh, in their really their potential as as well as to address their problems. We clearly need to get more hospital beds. No question. We also need policy changes in terms of the Medicaid reimbursement. That the uh, it, it it takes out the incentive for hospital and medical systems to be able to adequately provide treatment for the mentally ill. We need long-term. We need long-term residential programs. We need substance misuse programs. But it all has to be knit together in a system that is characterized by sound, healthy relationships, and that uh, uh, that is a learning system so, that listens to the feedback, learns from it, and continues to improve as we go forward. So we're in our last couple of minutes here with uh, retired Brigadier General Larise Sutton, who is uh, also the recently, fairly recently departed commissioner for the New York City Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, we have just a couple more minutes here with you, but we'll, of course, have you back before we get all the way up to uh, June 2021 when this Democratic Great. primary from that. here will be. T- <laughs> but just just to get a couple quick thoughts on you and a couple more um, quick items. I just wanted to sure. sort of confirm one of the uh, the anecdote you were telling earlier about um, the, the folks you had breakfast with and, and sort of being frustrated with what seemed like you were indicating kind of disorder in their neighborhood and the and the police precinct sort of saying we can't really do anything. So is, it, is your general uh, sense of things that under Mayor de Blasio, um, the NYPD has been sort of reined in too much, is, is being too soft on, on crime and disorder in the city? Well, I think it's clear that over the last six years, relationships have been fraught with uh, uh, difficulty. Um between the mayor and law enforcement. I think that, as I said, stop and frisk, he was absolutely right on stop and frisk. And, and that's a good thing. That's something we should all celebrate. But I think that law enforcement, as we see what's happened just in the last year, first it started with water, then ice, then eggs, then milk. And then last Friday, the subway uh, vandalism. It's, it's, it's a growing sense of disrespect and lawlessness that I do think is tied to backing away from the kind of quality of life offenses and, uh, yes, broken window policing methods that have worked so well in the past, minus, as I said, the overuse of stop and frisk. But mm-hmm. as you know, Mayor Bloomberg has, has apologized for that. If he were doing it differently today, he would certainly, uh, I think, listen to law enforcement and the communities much earlier and take different actions. So I think 
you know, this is something that I am looking forward to jumping into with all fours. Okay, and uh, just just last quick one to to say goodbye on. Sure. Do do you have a favored candidate in the Democratic uh, presidential primary? Oh, I'll tell you what I. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a favorite candidate at this point, mm-hmm. but I would just say anyone who can take on the president and win, that's the candidate I'm going to get behind. All right. Well, maybe we'll we'll get a definitive answer from you before the New York primary in April. But uh, Laurie Sutton, thank you so much for taking some time with us here on Max and Murphy, and we'll be in touch. So- sounds great. Thanks so much. Take care. Take- so, Jarrett, we've uh, got a couple more minutes here and uh, have had a couple interesting conversations with two candidates who want to be the next mayor of New York City. Thoughts, takeaways? Uh, it's interesting. Brief conversations that obviously 15 minutes is a very short period of time to talk about your vision for the city of 8 million people, 8 million plus, nearly 9. Uh, but you did get a sense of a, of a different uh, different flavors, uh, the approach that they're going to take to being mayor, different from some of the other people we've had on uh, in terms of their life experience and in terms of certainly of their approach. Um, you know, General Sutton uh, developing a, or delivering a, more of a, uh, a sort of centrist critique of the city emphasizing quality of life um, and and buying into the narrative that um, that that is diminishing in the city and that there is a um, a growing angst about it uh, manifested in people leaving the city or being worried about coming here, which the city's tourism numbers don't don't necessarily back up, but that is a perception that you hear out there uh, versus Ms. Morales with a, a different take rooted in her work in in uh, the nonprofit sector. Both emphasizing to varying degrees in different ways, mental health is a major issue, which I think is is interesting. And, you know, this is a very small uh, mention and not really something we explore, but both seem to be um, favorable towards school choice, which is something that will potentially be another issue that pops up in the next mayoral race because the idea of charter schools, anti-charter schools, you know, has been a sort of through line, although in some ways a little bit settled in the city's democratic politics, but maybe these are candidates that will be bringing it back up. And I know, um, you know, that's something we'll need to talk to some of the more high profile candidates about when we, when we get them again. Um, you know, I thought it was very interesting to hear from General Sutton, who comes from a military background and wants to, you know, have a bit more law and order in the city, it seems like, which is which is interesting. And she talked about this, you know, sense that she has about disrespect towards law enforcement and the mayor's frayed relationships with law enforcement. Um, it's fascinating. You know, we didn't dig into it with her, but she was pretty explicit about it. This is someone who worked directly for the mayor, who is now running for mayor and not hiding at all that she thinks the mayor has bad leadership characteristics and that is pretty stark and remarkable so something to dig into down the line here in this race 